Just remember, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. In the culture war, there are no winners, just podcasters. Only a few are willing to risk their lives in the face of some of the dumbest ideas to have ever captured human civilization. Every week, we, Megan Dom and Sarah Hader, humbly accept this mission to bring you conversations that are equal parts cunning, based, and radically vulnerable. Welcome to A Special Place in Hell. Morning, Sarah. Morning, Megan. Um, it's almost afternoon for me now. Oh my God. You, I, I have to get it's up so time. early to accommodate your schedule. I hope people appreciate this. I had to get up at 6 a.m. It was not even I light out. I get up at 6 a.m. every day. If, I, if it's light out when I get up, it's like too late. Normally I do. I get usually awakened by Hugo at uh, 6.30 demanding oh. to eat, but mm. uh, it was, I had to get up at 6 this morning in order to get ready for this. So uh, I was up before him. Anyway, um, yeah, so, God, what a weird week. It's, we can't yeah. seem to get away from the horrors. I, yeah, I'm not interested in, I don't even know what to do because I have, like, a post that's sitting there in my in my drafts that I want to publish about the, the Gaza conflict. And I just, I know if I hit send, I'm going to get all kinds of bullshit. You know, it feels like, it really feels like, 2011 again you know it feels like the war on terror times you know um i'm having some of the same conversations that i had back then and i'm sick of those conversations i don't want i don't want to ever have those conversations again i don't want to you know like what's great about this podcast is i can i can talk about something other than islam which is what i've been talking about for like a decade (laughs) and i'm sick of talking about it i'm sick of it Mm. And it's just, it's the same conversation. You know, you think people learn like some basic things. They never do. Like there's always somebody who doesn't know. Right. And, and I I think it's, I think it takes a special kind of personality to be able to do what it takes to be a good activist, which is just, you just say the same obvious thing over and over and over again. Mm. And you have to say it with the same, you know, feeling that the same kind of, um, you know, sense of you know i guess you can call it moral righteousness but like you have to have like something fueling like some passion fueling it but the passion wanes because you're bored and you're sick of people and you're sick of having you know uh sick of being labeled or smeared or whatever and that's happening again mm-hmm. um so i'm just yeah i don't i i don't know whether i want to engage but i i might have to step in a little bit so are you okay can i just ask this i can't I'm embarrassed to bring this up because I'm very ashamed at my low follower count on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Like I have real well, shame about it. I'm embarrassed. I don't understand why it's so low. I mean, I, I don't, I don't feel like I tweet. Enough. I feel like I tweet quite a bit. Well, first of all, my follower count has just been going down, like down, 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 down uh, in the last year. And I mean, beyond, I think, you know, obviously there was the initial, uh, there was a whole shedding of, bot ish followers for everybody fine but uh you know i haven't gotten the blue check because i thought that was cringe like Mm -hmm. where are we with that what's um i think it's still cringe but i think it's like stupid not to i always thought it was stupid to worry about whether or not it was cringe because ultimately this is what would happen like that's what he was trying to do he's trying to incentivize 
getting it and eventually people are gonna get it most people are gonna get it because they want to see the they want to see the the benefits of it okay what are the benefits actually i think you are more visible to people Um, yeah i'm just not visible i feel like i tweet something it goes nowhere yeah yeah i mean it's not so much i think that i mean maybe it might be the case that blue checks are like extra extra visible now i just think they're more visible in relation because non-blue checks are less visible so I think that's what it is. Um, but it, they're like relative to non-blue checkers, blue checks are more visible. So I think you should, I think you should get it. And I also think that you should, you need to start more fires because your your tweets are too, they're too like squish know, safe. That's my safe. brand. Safe. Well, safe. And your brand is not safe. But I, like the kinds I, of things you say yeah. on this podcast, if you just like cut it into a tweet and put it out there, you'll get dragged every day See, i i don't have the energy for that i find getting dragged really enervating I, yeah. I just can't like i don't think i think my last dragging was three years ago i had two major draggings in the course of one month um and the last one was uh, the infamous phd gate where that turned into a racial incident and uh i got dragged for saying that people with phds who are not medical doctors shouldn't call themselves doctor Mm. And apparently that was racist. Uh, yeah. So um, no, but it was horrible. It actually ke- it it's still like you still th- you still up. talk about it. Yeah, you know, I think you I'm, still talk about I'm it. I'm very scarred wow. by it. Yeah, I just don't. It's just I don't know. So it doesn't. I, I just it it makes me if I get dragged, I get very upset about it and obsessive about it, and then I'm like embarrassed by the fact that I'm so obsessed with it. It's just like oh my god, get a life. So the thing is, no one remembers your drags but you. Like, except for weirdos, but hardly anyone, hardly anyone will remember your drags. Like a year later, no one will remember it. Won't matter, you know, uh, unless it was like truly epic, which is rare. I think that like the ratios that are that bad are pretty rare. Most of us don't remember it. And if you get dragged regularly, you sort of like muddy up, you know, muddy the waters. Mm-hmm. That's another. Re- I think people don't remember my drags as much because I just get dragged every couple of days anytime i'm regularly engaging that's when i like i will reliably get dragged because i'm gonna say something oh well i think it's fine i think it's it's just you just turn you just you know turn off your phone put it away and it's fine and it just goes away you just mute all the tweets that yeah, started it or know. any related to just mute it all yeah, and then forget about it i don't want to be like that i just feel like it's just why gonna, I, I, because i just feel like it's um it's cheap. If I have something I want to say, I will either write a piece about it or I will say it here. I'm not going to just like drop a bomb and then watch drop everybody. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's just... it, but it's it's so I, I I tweet when I know I'm not going to write, which is a lot of the times. And I kind of tweet very I just don't think about it. Like to me, it's no different than if I was just to say it to you or to say it to I would just say it and I'm just going to say it on Twitter, but people tweet, treat Twitter as very different, which is, it makes sense. Like that's very, that's logical. That's how it is different. Like you, yeah. I am broadcasting to like, like a small village or actually like a city w- w- with my follower count at this point. But, yeah. but it's like, but it's, it doesn't feel that way to me. I think I'm just shooting it out. Um, and I also think that some of it is just might might be personality difference because I remember I was talking to a friend who's a very, very careful tweeter. Um, like she basically doesn't leave her little bubble, which is a very technical field. And she just doesn't leave it. She doesn't talk about anything controversial, even within that field. It's a very, very safe profile. 
Um, and she just said that she can't take it. Anytime she's gotten pushback, it's haunted her for, you know, weeks, months, like, mm-hmm. like it's just too much. So it's not worth it for her. I think it just doesn't, some of us, it just doesn't haunt as much. I think I, I feel it, like it's, it's fine. yeah, I guess I don't do it because I feel like it wouldn't be representative of what I, of, of the bigger picture. Like I could say something like, mm-hmm. oh, it's obvious that women control cancel culture. Women are the cancelers that uh, there's a baseline uh, sort of mental illness, neurotic narcissism that is, uh, that is, you see more often in women and this has come to dominate the uh, sort of cultural t- tone. And I get mm. like, I, I would talk about that with you. And I've talked about that with guests on my other show, but somehow tweeting that feels trollish almost. It just does. Mm. I just don't want to like, well, like just waste it, the, the calories there. So crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it, it's just a crazy, it's a crazy platform because it is the ease of just like engaging is just so it, it's just right there. There you go. You, you can just engage. And because it's context less, it, it leads to a lot more drama than otherwise. Yeah. So I guess um, it is, but, yeah, it's the opposite of my agenda. I feel like, well, one, I, I don't think I think too much about what other people think of me, like on the whole for any reason. So it, you know, right. just makes it easier no, to that's deal good. with like, that's a super whatever, like, you know, people. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a bad thing. It's a good thing. I get haters because I don't like cater to people what they want too much or think too much about how I'm coming across. But the, um, the positive is that I don't have to worry about it. Either. You don't worry that you're going to like, um, burn bridges or that you're going to want to forge of alliances in the future. And gonna... You don't want to, I mean, not mm-hmm. that you're, I don't, I don't think too much about really? it. Yeah. yeah. I kind of, yeah. A little more mindful of people that. People are so, people are so like, I mean, they're unpredictable. You don't know what's going to piss them off anyway. You know, like sometimes there are things that I tweet and I, feel like some of my friends are going to get mad at me for and then they don't get mad at me for it or they say I agreed with that mm. <laughs> and it's surprising you know it's surprising what you can kind of get away with I mean w- what's interesting is like you you could get away with a lot of what you tweet if you said it in person actually you could get away with a lot more like a lot more crazy things but that's that tells you something doesn't it that like people wouldn't like people punish you f- more for I guess a dragging that's very public because they're like, Oh, now I know I'm not supposed to say that. And I'm not supposed to think that uh, because everybody else seems to be reacting so harshly to it. For me, it's kind of beneficial because it filters out like the weak, you know, like the people I don't want to engage with anyway, like people who are going to be like really mo- like who are going to see something like that and they're going to behave differently mm-hmm. um, because of it. And I, I remember when I first started talking about the trans stuff, like that happened a lot. Like there were some people who, I knew weren't too far away from my views or were kind of sympathetic. But when they noticed the way that the, that others in their bubble started to behave, you know, and, and unfollow me or like, uh, like quote, tweet me or whatever, or talk about me, I noticed they started to like distance themselves or unfollow or move away. And that's the kind of person I actually want to, I don't want in my life anyway. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, that's the kind of, soft like kind of a weak link um that i would prefer not to build bridges with that person or bond too deeply with that person because there's a you know unless i'm like always mindful of like the exact perfect precise thing that i say like then i i I would feel like i could never be honest see and have an honest yeah no i hear you i guess i feel like i want to convince people 
to come to my side. I want them to yeah. think about it. And I guess I, for me, the best way of doing that is to have it in a more normal human conversational format and sort of invite them in more that way. I think it's off for me, yeah, it's off putting, but that's, you can get away with a lot more in this podcast form. I feel like this is the, this is the format that's most forgiving, I, like more, much more forgiving than writing much more forgiving, like the most forgiving format I think is this so I, I mean that's why I wanted to do the podcast with you yeah. because I felt like there were things that I wanted to talk about that just were not working certainly not on social media but yeah also weren't working on writing I mean I think the thing with writing is like it's much easier to get dragged you can get quoted more easily and then taken out of context although now if you know if, if we get big enough there will be people whose entire jobs it will be to come through our yeah, conversations yeah and, sam harris will yeah. still get like people who listen who only hate yeah and joe and, rogan and, and too yeah pieces. exactly yeah. exactly so but we can still still that. if you just take what joe rogan has said and put it in a tra like tra like put transcripts of it make them easily available he would still he would get dragged a lot he doesn't more. tweet you know, though, there's does definitely he? he doesn't he he used to i think he's just sort of left but uh he he was never a heavy tweeter. I don't think that's his format. Um, I mean, anyway, he's like talking for three hours a day, so it's like no, I know. Why it's, would it's you tiring. even need to? I mean, Sam doesn't point? tweet either for for this reason. Sa Sam, Sam Harris, Harris left. left Twitter. Yeah, yeah, and I I think it, so. It, I just had an uh, um intellectual brown web discussion that was just oh my god. Excuse about me, about up in my mouth. That's the worst name. <laughs> I know. I, I, I thought it was funny. I thought it was. It sounds, I thought it was. Funny. I know it is. Funny, it was a joke. It sounds like um, IBS is the problem. Yeah, I know. Which is why I feel like we should keep it because it's just it's just terrible. It's just a terrible name. But um, it, I don't know what else. Razib's idea was Brownstream, which is oh. so <laughs> much. Worse. Okay, but wait. Tell the folks like, what you, it is. Explain I was like, wait a minute. Is. Did you hear it? Did you hear what you said? And he's like, mm. but um, okay. Uh, it is um a a a group of us who come together every once in a while. And this is our third recording. Um, there's um, myself, Razib Khan, who's uh, a geneticist, population geneticist, conservative-ish, atheist. Um, I think he's fully conservative. He's, and he's, he's been on our pod. Um, and he's an atheist. He's been on our uh, on our podcast um, and he uh, trolls our comments uh, once in a while. And uh, he, yeah, friend of mine. Uh, and Murtaza Hussein, who's a... Um, like foreign policy, like beat writer, um, journalist at The Intercept. Uh, he's like an observant Muslim. And I, my only like recollections of him were like before this time was just kind of like a somebody who dislikes the new atheist movement. And I was part of the new atheist movement. Um, and uh, Shadi Hamid, mm -hmm. um, who is, uh, was at Brookings, um, a senior fellow at Brookings, and now he is at the Washington Post. Uh, so uh, he he's he's also like a scholar now, more more leaning into the write, uh, writing. Anyway, so the 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 two of them, Shadi and Murtaza, are Muslims, and myself and Razib are not. And it was interesting; we were finding ourselves kind of in a position where we where we're starting to agree with each other <laughs> on a lot of things, and that was interesting. So there felt like there was a little bit of a realignment going on. Um, precipitated by some of this like woke BS, um, but by other things, other shifts too. I think a little bit of it IBS. was <laughs> a little bit of it was the the just the fact that the war on terror was fading from view, and you know 
other issues were coming to the fore. So people who otherwise would have not gotten along very well could could come and meet again. So that's why we started to talk. And it was it, it's been great um, talking to those guys. They're all really interesting, really smart. And I enjoy our conversations. Um, I'm sad that we, you know, were not able to have them before because of just where we landed on issues. But anyway, this last one was about Israel and God, Israel and um, Palestine, like the conflict. And it was the most tense one that we've had so far because we did fall on different lines um, of um, of the conflict. But at the same time, it was just like it was a really useful conversation. I think it was we were polite. We were um giving each other a lot of charity, which was useful, but Razib decided not to publish the transcript. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting that he like made a like a, a decision not to. Um and it was it was for that purpose that it's just so much more searchable. And I wonder like how much how is this distorting our discourse like that's so much of our conversation um is had in this text form that's very visible to people that's searchable that's findable that's permanent there are some like really interesting books that have been written about it about like how this shift over to a discourse that is text-based is like like messing with our minds messing with our ability to think sometimes probably in some good ways but in like many bad ways too but one of the ways is that you can't delete yourself like you can't you, you know things thoughts that would have just come out and uh yeah you know, in person yeah. and floated away right are gonna haunt you for the rest of yeah, your life i can't imagine and then people end up doubling down because what are you gonna do i mean then you have a decision if you say something half-baked and it gets out there you can either apologize you can either recant your statement and apologize and then you look weak or you can double down and then you look like an idiot yeah i mean why wouldn't so so many of what we said so many things that we say are half-baked totally. all the time you know what i mean but now there's the, it used to be that there's the things you published right which were not half-baked right and the things you said which were of yeah, course, it was a thought experiment. You just like said this with your friends. I mean, that was the thing. You would yeah. get together with your friends and I'd be like, hey, let me, what do you think this of this? Is what this I is think. an idea I just say. had. Or if you were a writer, you would have that conversation with your editor you yeah. Know, yeah. ahead of time and, then and figure out what to write. You would bake it, right? Over the, yeah. over, that, that's, and the process of baking a, a thought, like taking it from the realm of like, I'm just playing around with this to feeling solid enough about it to write it down, you know, has, a lot i mean it's a process it's a process of verbalizing it getting feedback from other yeah, people no, you know from the world step. and now we've eliminated yeah. it you yeah. know and the feedback is twitter and it's, it's that's crazy right. so it's it, it it must be the case that we that that our discourse is like terribly damaged um like by our inability to like you know get the ideas from the from from that one place or where they're just like soft putty to yeah to you know fully baked um i think it's yeah it's fascinating okay. i have a lot of thoughts about it we can make a whole podcast on this because there's some interesting readings like some interesting like people have been thinking about it writing about it um it yeah i i don't love it so i try to push back on that by doing what i do on twitter what i do all the time um so like refusing to not play around with ideas and I refuse to be held to something that I said two years ago <laughs> mm -hmm. because I, I'm not held to it when I, when I just speak, yeah. because why would I be held I to mean, it? I mean, playing, so, yeah. <sighs> but, but I, I, I totally see why people think it's a different thing and why, you know, uh, they, they, they refuse to engage. I think Twitter's probably going to die. You know, it just feels like 
Really? I don't, oh, can you, you know, imagine? The what management is do? really bad. You are, talk, you are really are a nihilist. You say the institutions are going to die. You say the universities are going to die. Now Twitter, that is a bridge too I think far. Twitter's going to die. Right. I think you it would are, be great you are if it fully yeah. on the side know. of the demons. I mean, half, half of me thinks it would be great. Half of me thinks it would be terrible if it died. It would have to be replaced by something else. Like would it? I mean, what would what would the what did you do for class do all day? Well, you know what? Actually, I used to, I would talk to my friends. I can't believe the amount of time. I mean, if I was like writing or I had a thought or like th- this will blow your mind. If I didn't know the answer to something, I would like call somebody who would and be like, "Hey, can can I ask you this?" And like they would be at work, and I would just call them, and they would answer the phone. Like you would cold call them and interrupt them, and that would be totally normal. Like, and, and then it's like a forty five minute conversation. Yeah. It's fine. How did yeah. anything ever get done? Like the amount of time we wasted, like shooting the shit. Um, we didn't wait because because we're wasting it now. Online. No, I know exactly. We are still wasting but that we're, time. We're, we're just wasting it in a very know, inhumane. But, but it like, was like you would call somebody who knew. Like, oh, I need, like, like I need even, like, statistics. Like, I would, like, because yeah. you couldn't get online. So you yeah. call somebody, like, hey, you are a lawyer who specializes in this. Can you tell me blah, blah, blah? And they would say, sure. And you would talk to them for 20 minutes. Anyway, um, enough, uh, enough reminiscing. Um, I want to talk about a piece that was in the Washington Post over the weekend um, about uh, our favorite subject, gender identity. This blew my mind. This uh, has to do with uh, somebody named Artemis Langford, <coughs> who is a uh, trans identified biological male uh, identifying as female uh, student at University of Wyoming, wanted to join a sorority, uh, got into the sorority somehow. Uh, it's Kappa Kappa Gamma. Um, and <laughs> Okay, I mean, like we, we could talk about the the reality of this situation. What is what is apparent is that this person is um, an AGP, uh, an autogonophile, which uh, we can explain more about that later. But just that means that that's the categorization for somebody who is biological male who is sexually aroused by the idea of themselves as a woman. Um, and this is a very common subset of trans identified people. Um, so this person, and this is our, this is our diagnosis. This is not, like, it's our diagnosis, they would, they, but they, they pretty, would not okay, call but themselves I mean, that, but it's pretty, but it's obvious. Pretty obvious. It's obvious. Okay. So obvious. this person, I, I refuse to listen to people who would like not. Okay. Agree. Yeah. I, I'm going to lay, I, I mean, I, I'm going to lay out like what the facts as I see them, uh, first. Okay. So this person, uh, you know, 20, 22 years old or something like this, um, six, three, um, very large person, um, you know, huge, huge, uh, not, you know, high, high two hundreds in the pound. Huge for a guy. Yeah. Like huge huge for, even a for a guy. Um, so was, you know, at the university of Wyoming, you know, community was the LGBTQ plus community. Um, you know, may, uh, apparently decided that, um, and I'm just going to say he just for the sake of clarity, and we can talk more later about why we're doing that decided that he wanted to be in this sorority. And um, they sort of let him in, but said he couldn't be he could not live in the sorority house, but was just really like hanging around um, just being sort of odd. Um, this person is on the autism spectrum. Um, uh, it did not uh, come, did not start having gender issues until like middle school age. 
Um, but this person has like a five o'clock shadow, doesn't appear to be taking any cross-sex hormones whatsoever. This is like basically a, a man in a dress hanging around the sorority house, um, uh, allegedly getting erections, um, watching the girls, having inappropriate conversations with them, um, just making them feel extremely uncomfortable. Not having actually a lot of conversations. No, yeah, though. just kind of thing. like mostly just off around to the and side. staring. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, these are these are nice girls, so they're trying to be accommodating. Um, I guess the the sorority world has been captured by social justice ideology as well because the um, bylaws and you know of these sorority chapters um, are are pretty. Um, pretty generous toward trans identities. Um, and anyway, they ended up filing a, a lawsuit because this person was making them feel so uncomfortable. And then this person ended up getting very much harassed on the campus um, in pretty ugly ways. So that was really unfair and sad to see. But in, in any case, like what was, was not backing down. Um, and uh, ultimately a couple months ago, uh, the judge uh, threw out the uh, threw out the case so that the girls were not able to uh, sue, and um, uh, there was a gigantic feature in the Washington Post over the weekend about Artemis Langford and um, how terrible this is for this person and how uh, they have been victimized, and this is an example of the rampant transphobia on campuses and especially in places like Wyoming. Laramie, Wyoming is where, of course, the Matthew Shepard uh, killing took place in 1998. Uh, I, I just, um, and of course, there's a lot to that story that people don't realize. Anyway, I, I found this human interest feature astonishing in its credulity. Like, absolutely amazing. Um, because anybody would read that anybody with a shred of objectivity and like the slightest knowledge about um about the gender new gender movement would see exactly what's going on which is what i just explained and yet this has been presented as like a a hero's journey <laughs> and this we, person is an underdog and how how stunning and brave that they have endured this abuse yeah yeah i mean i think I had, I mean, I had the same reaction, although I was a little bit more, um, I, I felt as if it was very much a crafted narrative and this, whoever's writing this, uh, don't know much about William Wan, William Wan. Yeah, William Wan, um, he's an enterprise reporter at the Post. I mean, he says he's focused on narrative and high impact stories. He writes often about mental health and people suffering on the margins of society. Uh, I mean, my God, this person is not to be trusted. Like the, like the reporter, not the what reporting? This was not a report. This was a fictionalized. This was like like based on a true story, you know, and turned into a lifetime movie. And it's barely based on anything, anything real. Every aspect of this piece was like propaganda, and it was written to have the most maximum, like the the, the kind of like extreme emotional impact. Only on one side, right? Like only, only on, yeah. and I, I can't, I can't even read some of it. Some, you know, uh, the morning sky was still dark. This is how it starts. There were some beautiful photographs. As Artemis Langford, Langford's 
Yeah, the morning sky was still dark as Artemis Langford's father hoisted the last of her belongings into her car for the drive back home. Be safe, he told her. I will, she promised. You know, like, but it's just so, even like, your dad is lifting all the things to into the car. I know. Because you're a teeny weeny little girl and you can't do it on your own. Like, come, like, okay, maybe, sure. Here's a little bit from where we hear about how Artemis got the idea for being in a sorority. Okay. As a freshman, Artemis had listened to a friend describe life in a sorority. It sounded nothing like the movie stereotypes of keg parties and elaborate hazing. Her friend talked of being supported through tough times, uh, helping philanthropic causes, finding a forever home she could rely on for the rest of her life. Artemis remembers dismissing the idea with a laugh. Well, no sorority would ever have a trans person, she said. Mine would, her friend quickly replied. For weeks, Artemis couldn't shake that vision of a, quote, forever home. Um, we should say that the, to me, the villain of this story is this friend who said mine would. Right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is um, an enabler who is living in a magical reality. And clearly there's no evidence that this friend is a member of that sorority. Um, I'm pretty sure she's not. And then there's also another, I don't know if this is the same friend. There's a, there's a picture of Artemis and a friend, a female friend who I don't think is, I'm not sure if it's this person is definitely doesn't seem to, there are no, all, all the, 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 uh, Artemis's, um, allies in the sorority see are anonymous. So it's hard to know how many there are. Um, meanwhile, the people who oppose Artemis started off a little bit more anonymous, but now since, uh, there was a lawsuit filed, um, by members of the sorority, they have become, they're, they're public about it. So it seems as if, uh, the soror- it, it, it seems as if the, the majority of the sorority sisters are not interested in having this person, um, as a part of their, as a part of their group. It just... I, I, you know, it's, it's unbelievable that it, it ever happened to begin with. And then that, that this, um, it would be covered in this way, in this extremely like, yeah, credulous way, but I think false. It, it, they're, they're making up a narrative. They're making up a story. It's very much, it's extremely biased. Well, it's just so on, it's, it's incurious and it's just completely lacking in context. It's like, okay, let me just read a little bit more. So, so I think it's telling that Ar- Ar- Artemis you know, decided to pursue the sorority thing um, after having seen that, you know, there was a lot of, that there was some tragedy and then some difficulty in the LGBTQ plus community there. So she said, you know, her, her social circle at University of Wyoming at the time before she got into sorority skewed heavily toward other LGBTQ plus students. Just weeks earlier, one of the fellow transgender student had killed himself. Um, Artemis was among the first to discover the body in the dorm and called 911. Soon after, another friend attempted suicide but survived. Artemis had tried taking her own life too as a child and teenager. Now her LGBTQ plus community in Laramie, fragile to start, was fracturing. She hungered for the support her sorority friend had described. Um, okay, so if this is so telling because so she's set herself up as Artemis has set, but I'm just going to say themselves up. I don't want to be confusing okay, as yeah, a, sure. as a, yeah. as a victim. So like she's already teed up 
to go into this sorority and have it be very hard for anybody to oppose her. Um, and uh, it's like this kind of weaponization of victimization is exactly the kind of thing that we see all the time. You know, another thing that really bothered me about this story is the way that the resistance to um, Artemis belonging to the sorority is t framed totally as like a right wing kind of reaction, uh, uh, some kind of like, you know, conservative, bigoted response. So in fact, the whole way it got kicked off that that she was in there was because the mother of a current member of the sorority had accidentally sent an email intended for the Kappa alumni um, to, to somebody else. So the, the mother, um, see, the mother was begging alumni of the sorority to object to Artemis's induction. She says, I'm writing to you as a concerned parent, the email began. The chapter has extended a bid, open recruitment to a, all caps, transgender, and then she says in parentheses, born male that is still a man, individual, and he has accepted today. The mother continued, I don't know where you sit morally on this subject, and I am not homophobic. However, a, all caps, sorority designed in the 1800s as an all, caps, all women club is caps, not the place for any man or a person who is born female. That is what fraternities are for. So this um, this piece sets up this mother as like um, some kind of Jerry Falwell uh, church lady villain. And uh, other than the all caps, which never does anybody any favors when you go mm -hmm. back and read something, mm -hmm. um, this is Always a complete, completely uh, logical response. I, I, I yeah. highly doubt that this woman is homophobic or even transphobic. Uh, yeah. She sees what's going on and she said something about it, which anyone would do. So a shame on this reporter for framing this up this way. Makes me really mad. Yeah, I mean, it, even the, the, the adjectives used for Artemis the whole time, it's, you know, you know, she, she said something, you know, uh, I wish it didn't matter to me, all the things I said, how they painted me like a mannish freak, Artemis said quietly, you know, like that, that, yeah, like it, it like as if it's just this poor, like the, the whole narrative is so, it's so, it's so crafted so carefully to give you a perception of this person, you know, which even, even the, the, the photographs that are included make it clear cannot actually be what is that what is happening I wonder if these very threatening sorority figure sorority sisters were terrorizing this you know poor young trans person and it just doesn't it doesn't add up it cannot possibly be that that's the, the facts on the ground um there's a piece at the end where the, the you know the, the girls eventually lose their their lawsuit yeah, it's, it, they lose the lawsuit. It's like an 84 year old judge who basically says that um, they the 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 chapter the sorority chapter is still identifying woman as anybody who identifies as a woman. So yeah. therefore, based on that yeah. legal definition, there's nothing he can do. I mean, it sounded to me yeah. like he was just like this 84 year old guy who's like, I, I give up. I don't want to, I this. can't, yeah. like, I don't want yeah. anything to do with this. But I mean, you know, here's, here's another, but, but that, it makes sense. It makes sense. If that's how you're defining right. it, then that then is what, you, I mean, it's like you, will have you made to your define bed, you guys. Exactly. It's like, this is what, yeah. this is what happens when you, um, you know, decide to go along with these redefinitions, you know? Okay. So here's another thing that drives me crazy. So this is in the, in the piece within weeks, 
Artemis's name was making the rounds on conservative news outlets. Um, one, so I, there was a piece in the National Review. I know the sorority girls, um, they went on uh, Megyn Kelly uh, at some point. So, okay, one of those outlets called Artemis a trans-identified biological male. Ooh, Another, the National Review, quoted an anonymous Kappa sister saying she felt pressured by leaders to vote Artemis in. The magazine described Artemis as a, quote, tall, heavier man with facial hair and quoted the anonymous sister saying that he, quote, has made no efforts to physically look like a girl. Okay, is that a smear campaign? Those are facts. Those are Those simply are re- facts. That's real. That's what's real. When I mean, that, that's what's incredible about it is that you can't point out the reality as it is because that is hateful. It is, and, and that's why you have to lie. That's why you have to craft this, you know, uh, uh, the, these these uh, descriptions of Artemis running in fear from from you know fleeing in fear um, from from the dormitory at times um, and collapsing on her bed. You know, when it, feeling hopeful for the first time, dreaming of you know, being accepted. Uh, drama, drama, you know, drama. This yeah. is how it ends. Um, you know, s- still alone in her dorm room, she started yelling with relief and excitement. Okay, still alone in her room, she started yelling with relief and excitement. So that it's a that's a weird thing for even like a young woman to be doing, yelling with relief and excitement. <laughs> um, but it is, ex- yeah, the picture is different. When I think of like, you know, a, a five one, you know, little like, like 21 year old girl like running squealing yeah like i mean it's silly weird like odd for somebody that at that that age to be doing like a 12 year old girl yes a 12 year old girl (laughs) yelling with relief and incitement okay you know i guess uh if you're if you're 21 i guess you can do that at a taylor swift concert but otherwise you it's not allowed like you can do that evidently yeah but 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 this is a six foot three like enormous, like very heavy set person. Um, I just felt uh, like, I felt like I was being gaslit. I'm reading this piece. I'm just being It's gaslit beyond gaslit. Over over it's almost like a joke. It's almost like some kind of psychological experiment to see who's going to fall for this. I, I, I even yeah. wonder if the photographer was like a little bit, um, a little bit like uh, trolling us a little bit because the photographs are just so clearly, this is yeah. a man. I mean, there's yeah. no yeah. effort. But the thing is, I think there was effort like this. There was effort put into making this person look as feminine and dainty as in the possible and non-threatening as possible. This is what happens with the effort put in. That's what I'm trying to say is that it was I mean, the, the, the reality is probably arms, worse. Giant hairy forearms. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, I, uh, and it's just yeah incredible. I mean the other the whole thing is also incredible. not mentioned is that uh, she her her GPA wasn't nearly high enough to qualify for the sorority, so somehow they made an exception for that. Um, yeah. And you know, <laughs> and there's no doubt if you actually had a biological female that had the same like keep everything else the same but make this person a biological female. They would not. Oh, no way. You can't be. You, know? like, yeah, like you got to be hot. I mean, I don't know about this particular sorority on this. This, campus, this particular but... sorority, it's not one of the most. It's. It, I looked at I looked them up a little bit um, and it didn't seem like the kind of sorority that has like the very perfect, like blonde, you know, um, super skinny kind of sorority girls. But still, I think still this person is still an out, outlier um, and would have it's, it's hard for me to believe that they would get in. 
um, into a sorority. Well, and I, my, my um, feeling was like, okay, well, you want to be a, a girl? Congratulations. This is how girls get treated. They get stabbed get in the back by for... other girls and not allowed into sororities. So yeah. Well, well I, um, played. Well, nothing, none, nothing about this. The, the the narrative makes sense. I want a second home. I just want to be accepted, at least once. I think maybe more than once, but at least once. There's a there's a, a, a description of Artemis as somebody who doesn't like a lot of attention, like doesn't try to get a lot of attention, <laughs> and it's like everything no. that this person is doing, everything that they are doing, is pointing to the fact that they don't care yeah. about having a forever home like I, if everyone doesn't want you then leave what what would a woman do you know if if people just don't want you there you're not going to just be like oh let me yeah let me go on in anyway let, a, me, a, let me let me let me give a put a, a trans man wouldn't do it i mean it's always trans women if you notice that are causing that are that stirring are things up sub- it's always biological men um i remember reading um quite a long time ago um this really interesting piece about uh biological females who transitioned and became trans men and then detransitioned um and they were talking about why they transitioned why they thought they were you know male Uh, i think all of them were lesbians in this piece that were there was like three or four people covered and they were um they were all lesbians and they were just like you know like kind of like tomboys their whole lives and there was a narrative and they just like sort of fell for it and then they realized that 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 wasn't them um and it, what was interesting about it is since many of them had been taking testosterone they started to look and sound like men you know and that's a very it's it's a really interesting the way these hormones work because it seems like estrogen can soften up the features of a biological male but they don't really it doesn't make you pass on its own it can't make you pass because testosterone has had some permanent effects and you can't you you can't go back when it comes to whatever it has you know given to you and it it seems like um, detransitioners who are biologically female and who are trying to like overcome the effects of testosterone have a much tougher time sometimes there's things that they just can't do they can't reverse their voices yeah, they are can't get their now. voices and they back can't often. they can't get their voices back even with voice training they kind of they they, they say sometimes that they sound like they sound like trans they can't women, have reverse you know, tra- elizabeth holmes vocal training yeah they 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 they, they say um I've, I've heard more than one detransitioning like female like biological female say this that that people think that she is a trans woman, you know, that, that, that she is a biological male trying to pass mm. as a oh woman. Oh my God. The irony. Because of the, which is, oh. yeah, because of the, because of the permanent effects of testosterone. But what's, what, what's interesting is that um, uh, these uh, detransitioners, I've seen it again and again. And I saw it in this piece that was covering that, that they were talking about how when it comes to the bathroom issue, they felt uncomfortable using the women's room because they could tell that other women were uh, like upset by their presence. Because they thought they were and because they thought yeah, they were men. And they would they were men. And they were upset. And they were and they didn't want to upset the women. Right. They didn't want they they knew what the what was going on in the woman's head and why. And they didn't want to do this to her. Which is I was like, that's how you know you're a biological woman. Like this is how this is this is the proof you're a biological woman. When you take other people's, like when you, you, when you take these feelings into account, you can relate to them. You can empathize with them. You might even remember feeling the same way, you know, before, before the transitioning business and you accommodate them. 
you know you you make yourself uncomfortable like they, they were all saying that they're uncomfortable using the mail rooms but but they do it anyway sometimes because mm. they don't want to make See, I mean, women I uncomfortable. Just think they so that's more that's a very bathrooms. that's the solution. That, that's there, a, but, that, yeah. it's such a female thing yeah. to do that to say I don't want to make other people uncomfortable. I will make myself well, uncomfortable. and also and that's also what leads to these women being victimized. I don't want right. to make somebody uncomfortable I, by rejecting it's them. It's the trans women who are like, no, you need to be, you need to be comfortable. You need to, I don't care about your comfort. I care about right. my comfort. My comfort is that I'm in here and everybody else needs to accommodate me. And I just cannot, you see the pattern again and again and again and again. And it's hard to deny. Every once in a while, you'll have like a, 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 a female, biological female who's transitioning, who will also make, who will also be very, you know, uh, who will also push boundaries of other groups like gay men you know and 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 sort of force inclusion but it's rare it's like just such a such a rare yeah. thing to see meanwhile all the time it's i you know i'm uncomfortable like i i could because i, I think that that's part in of the um fetish like i feel like like so the wanting to have female characteristics and wanting to have a, a sort of cartoonish version of the female experience includes wanting to feel like a victim because that's part yeah. of being a yep. woman. So yep. if I walk down the yep. street and I think everybody's going to attack me or I'm going to be Absolutely. raped, that's yeah. part of the fantasy of, of performing Absolutely. womanhood. And it's so, mm -hmm. it's so perverse. I mean, and the other thing too, is like this kind of mentality where, where women, women and girls are told to accept, um, trans identifying biological males without question it's denying their basic survival instincts like these things are totally at odds bridget fetasy talks about this really eloquently it's like for a long time women were told trust your instincts you know know how to get out of a situation in fact a lot of people like like us were saying you know like hey it's it's your responsibility in part to like know when is a bad situation and get out of it and don't worry about being a nice girl and if you go along with it and you don't say no, it's going to be a lot harder to make a mm -hmm. case that you were violated. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we've got that school of thought, but at the same time, now we're saying, well, if it's this kind of person, then you need to question your instincts and you need to interrogate yourself and ask why you're feeling threatened and question whether or not that's because you're a bigot. And like these two things are totally at odds and so destructive. They're, they're, and they're taking place. It, it, there's a reason that this entire battle is taking place in women's spaces, you know, in women, in sororities, in women's bathrooms and women's changing rooms and women's sports. Yeah. Like this is like, there's a reason that that's ha that this is taking place the way it is. And it tells you something about the reality of the sexes and, and why we have women's like spaces to begin with, why we need that, because there are enough men out there. And it doesn't need to be, I, I don't think it's a majority of men. You know, I don't think the majority of men are creeps. I don't think no. the majority of men want to prey on women. They want women to want them, you know, and uh, might be like have sexual impulses that we you don't know, have. True but predators course, the majority are, are, of women are not like rare. That. I mean, they're, it, they're rare. And, at, it's like five out of a hundred. Yeah, and right? men and can act badly that's enough. under the right circumstance. I mean, it's a spectrum of bad, that, bad behavior, but yeah. Yeah. Right. But the, so what society has to do is make it as hard as possible for predatory men to to get what they want, you know, to prey on women. That's what society is is supposed to do. That's what Western society has done 
exceptionally well when you look at like what's happening globally you know the, the the muslim world has a way of dealing with this as well which is just partition the sexes entirely keep women under you know like keep them uh so totally separate right. and to so totally out of the public space that they cannot be um it, that they they, they can't move around freely because they could be, you know, in, in danger. That's one way of handling it. Another way of handling it is to put the responsibility and the onus of it on men. Um, that's what we do in the West. And we allow women a lot of freedoms. And then in certain, certain places like locker rooms, like, you know, like, the, like bathrooms, we allow women privacy because we realize that this is a, this is actually a very important thing that women need to be able to access public spaces reliably using just using the restroom like do a human thing which is eat and 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 go number two or whatever in wait, public wait 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 so Women that you can actually fully what so wait. that you can fully participate in the public space are you i don't i mean i don't i but mean i well um you're of course, in the intellectual right. we don't web, but so I don't know. Okay, that's all we're doing. I know. But we do true. it intellectually. Okay? We're, it, we are two girls, one pod. You it's, know, if anybody oh catches God. that reference. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, but but it it is part and parcel of being able to be a, you know, a weaker, uh, the weaker sex, you know, and, and I mean physically, physically and the one that is, and the, and the one that gets, um, you know, impregnated uh, to be able to access a space where they can change, where there is a an expectation that there will not be any biological males in there. And this whole idea of like, oh, well, we've always, you know, men have always been able to walk in there. It's like, if that was, first of all, if that was the case, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. We're having it because men can't do it. I just want to say one more thing about this, which is that the same crowd who is all about zero tolerance for any man who comes anywhere near close to threatening a woman. Um, it's always believe women. It's always err on the side of, well, he was violent. You've got Brett Kavanaugh and Christine Blasey Ford. Never mind that neither of them remember exactly what happened. Uh, we err on the side of believing her. That same crowd, if, uh, if a trans identified person is in the mix, the logic is completely reversed. It's, oh no, don't right. believe the woman you give all the credence to this other person because they are marginalized. I mean, I guess it's yeah. believe marginalized people is what it is. Yeah. I don't think you should necessarily believe anyone. We don't have, I mean, we don't need, to, I don't need to believe anybody to know that it is, it is reasonable to presume that, that people who are much larger, much stronger, you know, sexually, uh, uh, like have sexual impulses that are more intense, um, who can impregnate, you know, but not be impregnated. It it just, I don't need any, you know, that that's all I need to know that 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 sex exists and the, the other sex who has the you know opposite problem that they might need to be separated in some conditions. Like, I don't need, I don't need to believe women, actually. Like, I know <laughs> that they are vulnerable. It is true. It is a fact that they are vulnerable. It doesn't matter whether they think it or, or don't think it. It is true that if you're in a place where you're being undressed, that where you are, you are undressing uh you are you are in a vulnerable situation and it makes sense to have this kind of partition it doesn't it doesn't mean that no predator will ever make it into you know a woman's locker room just so that they won't be able to get away with it as easily and openly because the second they walk in they're walking in we see it a man just walked in a man just 
what you know right. like look, okay look at what just happened you can point to it so this gets to the this gets to the passing thing because i remember when we had that conversation with kathleen stock like she 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 felt that the line was just that it's material sex um i think it's in, i think it's like a little bit more complex than that and i think passing matters you know in the sense that i think passing successfully does tell you something about the danger that that person presents to women and i'm not saying that this should be legal i'm thinking that before before this whole conversation was everywhere and we were talking about trans rights uh obviously people who passed went into the bathrooms that they wanted like obviously that happened all the time but the the reason we're having this discussion the whole reason we're having this discussion um has nothing to do with passing people you know because they've they've always done what they wanted it's the ones who do not pass that we are talking about it's the the so-called rights of the people who don't pass when we are talking about whether or not trans women or trans men need to be let into the the, the bathroom of their of their choice we are talking about non-passing i know but that's in, in in actuality passing people have passing because they have you know, passing because, privilege because they because they pass right but but i think it's 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 not privilege you know it's kind of like I mean, it's 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 a terrible thing to to invoke, but I think there's a little bit of like a don't ask, don't tell kind of a kind of a rule that I don't entirely disagree with, partially because we know that there are many things that motivate, uh, especially with biological males. There, we know that there are many things that motivate transition. AGP is just a big factor, and we have yeah, to and just that's that's own we should say that. that is a subset. It's real, it's it, I don't huge. even know that it's ever. I yeah. don't know that it's the majority. It's I. It probably is. AGP. AGP is probably the majority of men who transition in middle age, and a lot of them are not gay. I mean, AGPs tend to not be gay. It's growing, so people should it's understand gro- it's that it's growing in in younger. It's it. AGP is more common in younger men now because of porn. Right. Mostly. Yes. But it, seem, it seems like there's a there's an effect of porn on there. But on, but on, we should be clear that they are not like Artemis was att- attracted to women. In, at no point did Artemis say that they yeah. were attracted to men. Like this person was getting aroused yeah. among the women, which is why they wanted to be in that in that so, place. So yes, uh, autogonophiles are almost always entirely um, attracted to women prior to their transition. Then afterwards things might be different but that's part of the you know it's, it, it, it can be part but of often the they stay with their to wives then continue today yes yes but it's it, it before transition they're almost always they're they're straight guys who who transition and it, i think that it you know it, when we're talking about like the smaller subset of of trans people who are gay um whose transition i oppose in in a more philosophical sense like in in the sense that i think we should allow it, gay people should feel more comfortable in their skin and we should create a social environment where gay boys and gay girls like feel more comfortable in their skin are accepted for who yeah. they are and that like should we be how we deal 2000s. with homosexuality like but that's but that should be that's that's a preferred way of dealing with homosexuality like as far as you know i'm concerned i know that makes me a bigot today but um but 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 if you let's say let's go back to the 2000s you know there must have been um like early 2000s, there must have been some amount of transitioners who passed and, you know, some amount of biological men who passed and who were using women's restrooms. But then you have to think about who that person is. What's the chances those they were AGP? Slim to none, because AGPs just don't 
right they do not pass regularly it is very rare to see an agp that even kind of passes it's hard for you know non-agp trans women to pass it's very hard for them to not pass uh, or, or to pass um just because testosterone does so what things to you there's only so much you bathrooms can do. were they using though did they just were they just sort of not out in public i'm trying to think for, for agp yeah like like AGPs. i don't i think yeah they were just cross right they, they were, were just cross dressed in private and then and would then, they go into the yeah men's, yeah i mean i don't recall seeing like yeah and then they would go to the public space going to a restroom i don't know yeah i've never seen yeah before before this more like this trans era i've never seen anybody who never passed in a woman's space like i had never seen that happen um uh you could say that i wasn't looking for it but this is uh, i'm saying of i'm saying somebody's six foot five in a woman's face like that's what i'm right. talking about like, like obviously, artemis is six two and two like sticking pounds. out like a store of thumb kind yes, of people yeah clear. um uh, and it, i i i think that by the time you pass um like for the people that pass the reason i say that there's there could be a little bit of lenience but a little bit of like okay i'm not looking like i'm not i'm gonna pretend that i don't see what i see necessarily um is because i think it says something it says something when you if you have gotten if you are able to pass it's not merely like access to um surgeries and stuff which is part of it like surgeries and hormones like that is definitely part of it but another part of it is just like mannerisms like, the well way also you your body yourself, type you know? so, i mean but that's why it's not fair i mean somebody like blair white just passes beautifully not only because but of blair surgery, white, but just she has that kind of body type blair white has a so like let's think about what blair white you know, like he, he that's one that's one condition that that blair white is smaller you know um blair white was a gay man prior to transition so not sexually interested in women these two factors alone mean blair, blair white is not as is not a danger to women in the way a six foot three straight dude like former straight dude now you know transbian or whatever <laughs> and that matters to right. me it matters yeah. to me that blair white is not a danger to me in the bathroom but like yeah. the agp clearly is you know like and i i i've i wonder if we because because blair white is used as an example like it's used as a cudgel like she's I, I i'm even comfortable with the pronouns with blair white you know because uh well there's there's a truth of it but in terms of accommodating someone's preferences like that's my choice that's something i i feel comfortable doing in some cases and uncomfortable doing in other cases when there's a sexual element involved where it's a fetish for you to hear me say she mm -hmm. and i know mm -hmm. that that's the case then i'm not going to do it i'm never right. going to do it if i suspect someone's an agp i'm not i'm not you're participating in because i'm not participating in your sexuality i'm not going to do it i don't consent yeah experience. I, Right. I don't I don't consent. I don't consent to it. So I'm not going to do it. But if I feel strongly that this person is is not an AGP, often that's that is the case with with the people who people who are homosexual and then transition like Blair White. It's pretty obvious when that's the case. They're also not a danger to me in the same way, you know, and I, I don't mind treating them differently. And but but we can't because Blair White is used to let. But, this person, OK, but you know, right. like okay but here's the problem if you were checking genitals you would not let blair white in so you have to let right this but guy what in. do we do with somebody who is not agp um but who just ha is a very tall big male and wants to transition Sorry, and you this don't pass. is what the youth transition you is all about i mean this is what the inconvenient yeah. truth of all of this is that the the only argument to me for putting a kid on puberty blockers um and then transitioning them or making any kind of medical intervention before 18 
is because it's going to help them pass. They might pass. That's yeah. why they yeah. care. Otherwise, we could yeah. say, just cool your jets, wait till you're 18. It's not going to kill you. And that's I don't the, think that's, that's why they care. I think that's why well, they that, say but they I care. Think that's I think probably that's probably what is, is in their mind. Care. But I think that that's like, oh my God, I know I'm this way. And my every day my body is going in the opposite direction that I want it to go. I, I do understand the logic of that. I think that might be the case of people who are like themselves trans. But I think that the reason that that child transition is like transition of minors is being pushed so heavily um, by transgender activists has to do more with like this justifies um like the full uh narrative that this is something you're born with that this is something you can't do anything about like and i think that that's um that's the reason children are so important in this narrative but but i I agree with with you that that one of the side of like right but with with as you know, if I was like a 17 year old, you know, trans identifying like female or whatever, I don't know, I, these, these terminologies are just so, it's so confusing. But if I was trans, yeah, I can see that I would want to just get on board as quickly as possible so that I can masculinize as much as possible. That makes sense to me, you know. Um, but I, I just think that why can't we be honest about the fact that the people who we're worried about is the AGPs because AGP like, doesn't exist don't you know <laughs> you know if we just if we could just say it if we could just verbalize it I think pe- it, people don't people know what it we is we're worried about we're not worried about trans men we're not worried about females who who transition you know i mean and then this is separate from this is separate from the harm that trans people might be bringing on themselves through the process of transition or the harm that might be befalling minors if they are, if their puberty is, is suppressed. That's a separate conversation. I'm talking about the harm that they pose on others, you know, like the, the rights yeah, of others that are being infringed. Why can't we be because honest? Because we're that haunted it's just, it's by the specter of all gay people are sexual predators. We are so haunted yeah, by the, uh, the, the sort of abuses, you know, of this, gay civil rights movement that we just can't get past it. I mean, I know super intelligent, educated people, some gay people too, by the way, that have no idea what AGP is. They don't know what it is. Yeah, it's, it's and incredible. it's verboten I, I think in, if you don't in know the it, gender movement. Haven't... It doesn't exist. I mean, you're basically, they, they deny doesn't it the existence you, of though? it. Like, doesn't it like, cause to, to me, it was when I first re- heard about the term, it was like, oh, because it, it was like it was like what I had been seeing, you know, I had in my mind, I, I had been dividing see, I, yeah, trans women but... into like f- naturally feminine people who I would have who actually kind of act like gay men, you know, still even after transition, they kind of do the gay man thing. Like it's uh, mm-hmm. who's that other one who's very who you were just talking about? Well, um, of Dylan, Dylan Mulvaney. The, well, Dylan, Dylan Mulvaney, <laughs> Dylan, Mulvaney. <laughs> Dylan Mulvaney to me is like this is a campy, he's a, he's a gay, campy he's little a gay, twink a gay you know man. what i mean no, like that's what this person is us but yeah yeah right but, but that so that's that's how i that, that that was that's that's one half of it those are some of them you know and then there's others where you feel like like caitlin jenner where you're like you're just well, you caitlin just jenner admits now. that she's agp like, does she not? you just have right yeah i think so does she not i don't know i don't know i mean caitlin jenner, jenner spoke but, out against artemis uh langford Um, and it was like, no, this is totally unacceptable. This person should not be in a sorority. I mean, there are, there are very interesting. Yeah. I mean, there, there are a lot of, um, uh, trans, uh, women who identify as autogonic. Debbie Hayton in the the UK is a 
We'll just say yeah, so. like, yeah. like some, I, and I think it's, it's great. an incredible she amount of honesty. Explain, to, explains yeah. what it is, and everybody, if if you don't understand uh, autogynephilia, I, I encourage you to look up Debbie Hayton. She's like a normal person. She's a science teacher or something in the UK, and she was married to a, a woman. And so it's interesting you're using. The pronouns, I, I'm okay. Pronouns, whatever. So. I don't like, know. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's fine. I, I, I'm not. I, I'm not judging. I'm not judging. I, don't I think just she, think yeah, it's okay. interesting. Yeah, you're right. It's it is totally arbitrary. Like it's interesting where you're drawing. Yeah, where you're drawing the line. But for me, it's like I. I don't participate in the AGPness. I won't. I won't participate. Yeah. And and I, I have like I know a lot of AGPs. Like personally, I've I've more because I have just like a lot more male friends <laughs> in general. I and like they're like nerdy types, you know, like the kind of the kind of person who would might fall into AGP. Um, Wait, I know more AGPs really than I know do? of uh, than I know of of trans women who would have like been gay men. In oh, time. really? My, yeah. I'm like, do you talk to them about this? Do they recognize that they no, are? Such... Can't talk about it, but sometimes you know, I can't. I, I mean, it's complicated. It's complicated, but um, it, to me, it was always clear that there were that there was di- there were there were differences in why somebody was you know motivated to start identifying as a woman, and they behaved differently. Like very, it was very clear the behavior was different. Everything about them was different, and. And that led to better passing in some cases. Um, and more intuitively, just like my reptile brain is not fearful mm-hmm. in some kind, con- you know, like with some trans women and then, but, but fearful in others, you know, like some, my reptile brain says, this is, this is fine. This person's not going to attack you. But then in other cases, it's, this is strange. This is, you know, be on your guard and be looking around. And I think that when we're, we're going back to like this female intuition thing, like there's, you know, the people have talked about it in a, for, 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 for many years that women are more comfortable with being around gay men and even like being, you know, unclothed in front of gay men. Not I'm all not because I always feel like, like they're but, judging me. I feel like gay men are like, oh, I'm she's come, so bad with cl- fashion. Oh, I'll just, I, I, I've never felt too in like one way or another about it, like very strongly. Um, but I do feel very strongly about straight men like seeing me undress. I feel very strongly about that. And I, and I, uh, that, that same sort of um, intuition sense of danger radar in our heads that has developed over, you know, millions of years is still around Mm -hmm. and it's telling us to be fearful in some, some respects, but we cannot, we're not allowed to articulate it. We're not allowed to say why. It's so you know, weird. Uh, and it's I, so it disgusts me that we can't really talk the about weirdest it. thing going. Yeah. I, um, you know, I mean, yeah. Um, do you think it's going to, I mean, it seems like with like, now that you see this kind of post on Washington post that it's, it's gonna, it's gonna get worse. Like, I, I just it's think it's so going to get worse until we, I mean, until we address the AGP elephant in the room. Until we start talking about it openly and saying there are some people who are motivated by sexual arousal. That is what they're doing. And that change. And so women intuit this. Yeah. A lot of the women who are pushing back against it intuit this. They can feel it. They can see it in their eyes. You can, when you're talking to them. You, no, it, it needs to be taught, in, it needs to be taught in health class. It needs to be part of the curriculum. Like, you know, this is what you need to know about sexuality and biology. And this is how you protect yourself. We're not saying that AGP people shouldn't exist. I think there's, there's, they're not all, I mean, the, the, the number of AGP people who are predators is very small, by the way. We're not talking about like 
a hundred percent of these people are predators. This is a subset. And within that, it's there's not a subset about, that is going to do these things. It, they don't even have to be predators. First of all, they, I, 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 I would one one I would just say that there is some evidence. Um, I could pull it up at a, at, a, at another time, but there is some evidence that more like trans identifying males are predatory than than the standard like male population based off of like prison records in the mm, UK. But how many of them so are that seems like that they're trans in order to get into women's prisons? Well, I'm not sure. That's yeah, yeah I don't, I but mean, what, yeah, but they're not. Yeah, really, which, it, which way not. is it? Which way is the causation? <laughs> right. right, but regardless, it doesn't matter for us, does it? Because we're just talking about like if if we from from our perspective as potential victims, how should we be approaching these two populations of just males and then males who identify as yeah. females? You know, that's that's what I'm talking about. For but but. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm losing my train of thought. What was I saying? Um, well, I was like, just saying that not all AGP people. I, I, I just think people need to understand. What oh, this right, is. not 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 right. Like uh, more, even if they aren't, it, it is true. And I think there are some uh, AGP commentators that were pushing back on this the last time we discussed this. That were saying that it's not as if it's not as if I'm aroused 100 percent of the time, like walking around. All, like it's not always part of a performance and. Now that I've been dressing this way for a long time, it's just more comfortable, you know, and I look more feminine. It's just more comfortable. Like this is my norm now. So I'm not, you know, I'm not going around turning everything into a fetish. And it, that might even be the case. That's fine. It's just that I don't, I can't tell, you know, from, from where I stand when it is or isn't part of a fetish. Um, like, and I refuse to participate in it period at any point in time, you know? And so I don't, I don't want to take on that risk. I'm not interested in, in the, like, I guess the way, the way to phrase it is, I mean, let me ask you this question. If you could know for a fact that someone is AGP and that this could be like the point at which we say, no, you're not, you, you can't have this identity. Would you be more comfortable with, uh, with what was going on? Like at least an adult transition? Uh, would I be more comfortable? Wait, you mean if we, if we said you cannot be, if, what, what do you mean exactly? If, if we, if somehow we knew, if somehow we could filter AGPs from the pool of trans transitioning adult males, you know, and taking account, um, taking, let's okay, not even so think about it, the So if it just went away, totally I mean, this is a total problem. thought experiment because obviously, so that, if that category did I, not exist, if that, if that. If that category okay. did not exist, or if we had a really clear way of identifying them, like somehow, you know, like if there was something you put into somebody's brain and you can tell whether or not uh, Would I be more comfortable with but... adults transitioning? I mean, I'm not, I'm not uncomfortable with adults transitioning as it is. I don't, I don't care what mm -hmm. people do. And I guess yeah. like for me, yeah. I'm not particularly threatened by a AGPs. I mean, I'm not threatened by men anyway. Like I'm not a great person to ask. And you, you, you probably aren't either really. I mean, this is the other thing is I think that like people get a little bit turned off of this argument because it's coming from the same place as like women are victims all the time. Like, you know, there's a, a lot of these, a lot of people like Ju Julie Bindle and, you know, the sort of super turfs. And I say that affectionately, mm. um, they are coming from a, and JK Rowling too will say things like it's never been a more dangerous time to be a, a woman. Like JK Rowling is coming from a place of having been a victim of abuse. And a lot of the women in that conversation are very much they're 
their mentality is rooted in being a victim and and rightly so. Mm -hmm. So I think Mm -hmm. that one of the things that happens is that women who like to talk about agency and women should not be victims are very allergic to the conversation around being afraid of AGP people because it feels somehow intellectually dishonest. I think that's Mm -hmm. a huge element here. Um, And I guess Mm -hmm. I would say um, I am one of those women that says that women should not think of themselves as victims as much as they perhaps do. Um, And I am also somebody who says um, we need to know what AGP is and we need to be able to identify it. but I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I can answer your question because I just, I personally wouldn't, I, I personally don't feel threatened by an AGP person. Like I wouldn't want them in my locker room and I wouldn't want them like. <laughs> I, no, but would you be worried about the politics of all this? You know, forget about you personally, but like you as a political person who thinks I'm about not these really, issues and Oh, talks you know what? I'm issues. not really. Okay. But then this is a good question. Like, um. Because I think you're motivated a lot by the just the pediatric. I, yeah, transition. the poli- uh, yeah, But let's exactly. take that out of the so question. So what is the politics of this? So then that's a good question. Is the politics of this spaces? But like women's, women's sports spaces. would still okay, be affected, right. for example. Yeah, women's um, spaces, women's sports, women's well, hospital, yeah, I mean, I'm whatever, interested in, awards, in all of those equality, still Right, be... I, mean, I mean, it's not, women's sports is not fair because it's, first of all, it's un- physically unsafe for women to have to play against gigantic guys. And also they're denied their own, you know, championships, et cetera. Um, would I care about the politics? Uh, yeah, I guess I would. Um, but I guess I feel like the, the AGP thing, it's kind of like, you can't, you can't socially engineer a proclivity out of somebody. So I guess I feel like it's better to be able to identify it. And so that there's a container. I mean, it's sort of like this, you know, it, it, you're not going to keep them from being autogonophiles. I mean, I know you're asking, what if this just didn't exist at all? Okay. Okay. So. I'm saying, what if this was, it just wasn't, for no, some reason, we, we were able to pull, yeah. pull that element out of the discussion entirely. Like, would this, would these politics still be? I think like, there would be a lot less. Would you still I think stand would where be you a are. lot. I think it would be a lot less relevant. I think it, it, we, we probably wouldn't be having the sports conversation. That's because the they, they only get into the sports because of it. Well, some of them just want to win no, well, stuff. Well, right. But that's a very, like, I mean, <laughs> it's pretty it, it feels to me that that this is just like sp- getting into sports is just not something gay men are super inclined to do at any point. And then, you know, out of the biggest cases that I've seen of sports, like like trans women in sports, every single one. But do we AGP. okay? Like but every, are we are one. we establishing that you are either a, a gay male type of trans person or an AGP, and that there is nothing in between? I mean, I I think there's probably a lot in between, but it, but but it's it's these are two, like I think there are two, they're mutually exclusive for the most part. And there can be a lot of other things that play into both of those factors. Like both of those factors can have, you can have other things going on. Like autism can be present and keep, can be yeah. a part of the problem. But I think, I think I, you know, my, you know, totally amateur analysis of this. I, I think I see a lot of the autism and AGP come together. Like, I think that yes. those two play together, you know, well, or, 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 
create an environment in which AGP is more likely and then trans identification is more likely. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't think that that's necessarily the case of the gay, you know, males, the gay uh, homosexual boys who transition. I don't think that the autism rates. No, I don't are, think there's an autism. The, the, that's that's not a that's not a population connection. that sees a lot of right. autism. Yeah, yeah. But but you do see it in the girls. Um, the girls who identify as as trans seem to have higher yes. rates of of autism. So that's it's 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 interesting, right? Like, and it's different. And they, I think the AGP population is unique, um, and they pose unique challenges because men like because of the sexual difference between men and women, you know, um, and they pose a different kind of danger to women. Um, I agree with you that I'm not personally super afraid of AGPs. I mean, again, I know AGPs. I'm not afraid of them. Um, I treat them as if I treat male friends of mine and I'm not afraid of the male friends of mine. So why would Mm -hmm. I be afraid necessarily of these people? Um, But it's, uh, I think what, what bothers me is that I didn't consent. You know, I don't consent to be like, I I don't care how somebody dresses in front of me, what they want to call themselves. I don't want to use the pronouns because to me, the pronouns are, this is a lie and this is part of your fetish and I don't want to use it. You know, Um, if it's a lie, but it's all, but it's not part of your fetish, then maybe I'll, you know, case by case basis, we'll see. Like what comes more naturally to me based on how, how they pass might be how I make the ruling in that case. But I think that the pronouns conversation is super insidious because there it warps reality so intensely in our brains. Like we, it is not, it, you know, this is, we, we, we have been speaking a gendered language for forever, you know, like with most human languages are gendered in one way or another, or find a way to invoke mm. um, sex into, into the subject because it is, have, has always been seen as that relevant you know, that, that it's not just a mere, you know, adjective to, to add into something that it, that it's often its own thing because it's, it, it changes the situation, the, what you're trying to communicate changes so much based on the sex of the person involved. And it's incredible that we think that it, it not only does it not matter, but that's yeah, to be toppled. It, like this turning is, it around. To, we've had enough turning of this. Turning it around Human is irrelevant. civilization is, but, you know, taking this as far as it can go. That's what even if you take this, you know, even if you take this Artemis Langford case and you read some of that, you, know, you read that that incredible final line of of, you know, she, she says, you know, for, but for now, Artemis collapsed on her bed. She felt hopeful for the first time in months. Maybe I can just be another student on campus, another regular sister in the Wyoming chapter of Kappa Kappa Gamma, she said. She didn't know what it would look like or feel like. Still alone in her dorm room, she started yelling with relief and excitement. Now, the she's are doing a lot of work. They are doing a lot of work, and it is a lie to pretend like it isn't. They are it's, doing a. It's they're, really. It's a I, different situation. I would situation. like to know with the with the copy desk if there's only any old geezers on the copy desks of the of the Washington Post. I mean, uh, notably, there are no comments uh, on this piece. Can you imagine if there were still alone in his dorm room? He started yelling with relief and excitement. Yeah. Like it was just, it just makes for it's, a different, it's, it is it's a bizarre, a different completely picture. bizarre piece. It is a different yeah. picture. And I think that, that it, it is absurd that we're pretending that, that not only does it, it's just a small thing, you know, like, and that's what really gets me with the pronoun conversation that this is a, the, the, the smallest you can, the, the, why can't you just give them this, huh? It doesn't mean this is just words, just like get it, get a new, you know, ha- it, it, it's a habit. So get a new habit and it'll change things. This is, it is a lie. 
I will, I don't say that because it paints a different picture in my head of what is happening. And it paints a a different picture in everybody's head of what is happening. So until we can, you know, erase like the English language and our memory and understanding of the English language in our memory, in our, in our heads, start over. I don't want to use these pronouns that are, that are, I hear you, but they want about to be post-gender. You're just, you're on the wrong side of history. Look, their argument is that all these things that you're saying are, that's the baseline experience for most of people and has been throughout hum- human civilization. But there are lots of ways in which society is still backwards and we need to move past it. I mean, this is a very utopian uh, it's, it's a way of thinking that is fundamentally academic. Like it is a big thought experiment that has just been taken. Um, it's I mean, it's sort of like way of thinking it, that words make right. reality. And I, it is but not it, true. It's like, it it's, is not true. Right. No. And this reality. is just something that started like in critical studies programs. This is Judith Butler. This is something yeah. that philosophers yeah. were kicking around and thinking about For as thought experiments. And like, and, and that's fine. And I, and you know, you can argue um, whether or not like they meant to apply this to actual uh, life to the extent that it has now been applied. I don't know. I, I wouldn't give uh, academics and, and deconstructionalists uh, as much uh deconstructionists as much credit as that they're not exactly twirling their mustaches trying to overthrow civilization they just want to fuck around um with their dissertations and with each other but some would disagree but i think that what it is what it is here is that it it when you take away gender from from the equation or you switch it around the way that they do you actually make our our discourse less um not just less accurate but you cripple our ability to talk about things as they are you know uh, and you you make you create a disconnect between what exists on the ground and what we are saying and i just this is i mean you can talk about this more broadly as you know as what you point out just this like kind of obsession of of a certain groups of people who who really really seem to care about the words we use and why we use them and feel that it's extremely relevant I don't think it's irrelevant, but I don't think words create reality. I don't think they're spells, you know, I don't, this is why I don't, I don't like the use feminism treadmill either. I don't like that. I can't say certain curse words because they're bad now, but I can still reference the same stigma in other ways. Um, it just seems like a really stupid exercise and I don't want to, I, I don't want to partake. Um, but you know, but, but people obviously feel this way. And these people are crippling our ability to talk about reality as it is. And it makes me very nervous because then you can't point to, you know, even if let's say they get what they want and they are working, like gender activists are working towards this, where they are trying to like in in various countries and contexts, they're trying to eliminate, you know, uh, biological sex being uh, recorded when it comes to crimes or just that, 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 you can switch it on your ID or on your certificate or on the court documents that matter. And so we're going to see more and more crimes that are typically male crimes that are being committed by females or Fs on their, you know, whatever document, but they are not females. They're not female crimes, you know, and that there are going to be consequences to that too. You know, we treat men and women different in a lot of contexts in a lot of important contexts. Uh, We, we look funny at, you know, young like an, a 20 a 21 year old boy who applies to be you know an assistant at a daycare 
we are think I don't know about that, buddy. Like, and I it's don't, unfortunate. I don't know about this. Something to, about this I'll, is weird. You know, this is another conversation, but a lot of people are arguing that we need to change that. And a lot of what's going on with crisis of young people don't care about kids. That's why they don't have male because they don't care about kids, right? Well, well, I mean, they need masculinity. I think men men don't need to be in daycares. They need well, to. They could be I third mean, grade they teachers. To, they need to start right there. But yeah, no, I know. It. I well, don't know. Talk about, to Richard but, Reeves you know, about that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. sure, sure. They could be a little bit old. I, Richard Reeves, like, I mean, I think he has some some interesting insights to this. But, but, and he does talk about the reality of of, of gender. And when we're talking about older kids, it becomes different. You know, and older um, young men, we get into a different kind of a different realm, and we should treat males who are in those environments as, as, as different, but daycare, you know, toddlers. Well, kids shouldn't be uh, in daycare it's... anyway, Sarah. Why are we sure, even, sure. why are you yeah. even um, platforming daycare like this? It shouldn't even be discussed. Right. It needs to be gotten rid of. <laughs> it's true. I think that the kids should stay in utero for like an extra two years. They shouldn't even be born. They should stay within the mother. If you were really going to commit to, to being uh, a trad I wonder if that would be full easier. trad stays pregnant for three years minimum. I think that would, you would be huge. Yeah. But literally, oh, you'd be huge, but you would be, but literally, but no, yeah, you're if right. you want to, if, or maybe we should develop like a kangaroo flap. Yes. That, that could, that's be something we could probably engineered. build in. this. Oh my God. This, this is the, that, this, this is, is a the tech new, thing. This is yeah. No, this is talk. This we is like a transhumanist a trad empire. Because if you, if you are yeah. really going to fully commit, to, to being trad, you need to commit to being pregnant for, I'd say, you know, minimum two years, maybe four to five with the same fetus. I agree. The, I mean, yes. they should really have like Head Start, like early kindergarten in utero. There's ways to do this. You could homeschool within, with still in the womb, womb school, yeah. the womb one school. womb schoolhouse. Oh, <laughs> Um, okay, let's work I on think, that. Yeah. Let's patent that because I don't want anyone to steal that. That's going to pay. That's going to pay Beautiful. for my teleprompter so I can see the screen. Um, okay. Have we covered everything? What did, what do they need to know? We well, had yeah, a great we, we, hangout we, with our founding members the other day. We did really we smart did. group. Yeah. Those are, they're fun guys. Like I, 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 I gals yeah, and guys, there is, I mean, I mean guys was, in, the, yes, in the neutral yes. sense. Should I just say gals? And that can be Galax. In... It's gals X. Uh, yeah, no, there was men. There was there was men and women there, and um, there's yeah, they're great. They were nice. Yeah, they were fun. Yeah, yeah, I like that group. Yeah, and it was a, a lots of interesting conversations as as usual. I heard a lot about. I you know I never I don't think that much about men and how how much they have to control themselves. In, in, we don't want to tell tales. That was, that was a private private funny. conversation. We're not we going to. Some, we're not going. We did to, have some. Um, it was fun. Some candid sharing, some radical vulnerability. It was great. Yeah. Um, was great. So yeah. So learning experience. Yeah, for so me. people should join uh, the Substack at a specialplace.substack.com and become a paying subscriber because they're getting two entirely separate episodes every month. We're killing Every ourselves. Month. Yeah. <sighs> literally. Mm -hmm. Literally just exhausted all yeah. the time. Okay. All right. Thanks, okay. everyone. See you next time.